Hello, everyone. Welcome back to Daf HaShavua as we study Mesechah's Yivamas Daf Yud Zayin. We have the uh, great schuss today of coming to the end of Perik Rishon and the beginning of Perik Sheni. The uh, second Perik that I'm not going to have so much time to talk about today is, of course, a, a very crucial Perik in studying of Yivamas, in understanding what we discussed early on in the Masechta, the concept of a Zika. A man is married, Ruvain is married to Sarah. Unfortunately, Ruvain dies. There are no children. Shimon is now available to marry Sarah, to keep the legacy of Ruvain alive. That's the most... Uh, narrow way of looking at it. And what this parak is really going to try to understand is the nature of the relationship between Shimon and Sarah. Not just the relationship once they do get married or have Yibum take place, but the nature of the Zika, of the bond between them, even before that point, as she is within the category of a Shomeris Yavama, or Shomeris Yavam, what exactly is happening there halachically. But before we get to that, I want to take this opportunity to deal with something that I said we get to on Daf Tezayin, because it's very rare that we get to cover some of the major topics that we have covered in the first parak, and in particular, the question of intermarriage. Now, if you ask any Jew, definitely any observant Jew, what is the basis of the prohibition of a Jew marrying a non-Jew? They will take it as axiomatic that it's prohibited. But then ask them, or ask ourselves, to try to identify the Pasuk. Now, not every Torah prohibition, especially with Halachalamosh and Misinai, as we're about to see, is going to be spelled out in the Torah. But it's something that is such a given, because we're talking here not just about a technical law, but about the continuity, especially if we're dealing in a relationship between a Jewish man and a non-Jewish woman. But what came up on Daf Tezayin, Ahmed Beis, and continues on Daf Yud Zayin, and some of the other Gemaras and sources that we'll be quoting today, especially looking at the Rambam, is going to be a key to Halach Lamasa here, we have to do some work. We have to see where is the prohibition, is the prohibition, at least on a Torah level, restricted to nations that are no longer around? As we continue the discussion on Dafi Zion, we can't even identify some of the nations which lived in Israel, maybe all the nations. This was part of uh, the approach of Sancheirev to mix up the masses. And then we have, of course, Ravasi's ruling that if an idolater has uh, engagement, we don't want to call it Kiddushin, a Jewish woman, so then the question is, do we treat this engagement as valid? Because maybe the Jew descended from the ten tribes that were mixed up. So these are some of the questions that are taking place today. And what I want to do is just give the proper framework, the background that I've been doing throughout the first parak, take the opportunity to look at some big sugyas that aren't inherently connected to Yavamos and have meaning way beyond in Halach Lamasa.
I want to start off with something that comes up on the top of Daf Yud Zayin Amid Aleph. Some of this was discussed on Tez Zayin Amid Beis and discussed uh, in detail in a Tosfos, a very important second to last Tosfos, Ovid Kochavim. When someone asks the question, how do we know that if there is an intermarriage or if there's a relationship between a man and a woman, one being Jewish and one's not, do we follow matrilineal descent or patrilineal descent? So this Gemara Nivamas is one of the important sources. It's codified in the Rambam, Hilchas Yisrael Bia, Yud Zion, directly from our Gemara. And the formulation is, Shehaben min ha'erva beno hu l'chol davar If you have some type of relationship that is improper, you could have a mamzerus, but they're still going to be considered to be a Jewish child. Obviously, not every case is mamzerus. If assuming the mother is Jewish, afal pisha hu mamzer. However, vahaben min hakusis eno beno. It's not considered to be the son of the man, which, in other words, means it's not considered to be a Jew. A lot of this goes back to the end of Pashas Veschanan, and we're going to come back to that pasuk a little bit later of Lotus Chase. But what this points out before we get into all the details, and I'm going in this reverse order for some logical reasons, is why historically we've always looked not only negatively on intermarriage in general, which of course is a terrible tragedy, but in particular when there's a cutoff of the future of the Jewish people, and that's when a Jewish man marries a non-Jewish woman. Uh, I saw a piece a number of years ago from Rav Schechter, right on this topic. You could actually find it. I was looking it up because I remembered seeing it many years ago in Torah Web. And he goes through historically some of the differences. You know, we hear that uh, they would sit shiva if there was an intermarriage. And Rav Schechter points out that this was true specifically in a situation where a Jewish man married a non-Jewish woman. Not that it's uh, okay the opposite way, but just understanding what was happening was based on a Mechemes, which is a parish of the, the Ramban, that it's as if you had Shutfus partnership with Avodah Zara, which is the ultimate in undermining the continuity of the Jewish people. And Rishakta has some fascinating examples. Now we know, before we even get into the source, that so many of the halachas that we ha- so many halachas that we have center on not intermarrying. Some of this we've discussed in the past. Others we'll talk in the future. As far as many of the prohibitions, as far the socializing, that's restricted. Whether we're dealing with yayanesach, whether we're dealing with pasakum, other types of restrictions is to avoid chasnos taking place. Right, not intermarrying. And again, by definition, having an impact, especially in a situation where it's a non-Jewish woman, on the future. Um, and many, we could go through many, many different examples of this approach. What I wanted to do is just to take a step back, and even though, as I pointed out before, we accept it as axiomatic, to get a little bit of a historical, but less than a historical, a halachic perspective by looking at some of the sources. And these are really go-to sources that one should know. Now, the Pasuk that ends up serving as is probably the center of this discussion is a Pasuk 
in Veschanan, the Pasuk of Lotzeschaten, that you shouldn't marry. And the question is, what exactly does that mean? So you have in the Gemara in Avodah Zarah a very big machlokas, Lamed Vavam and Beis. This is where the Gemara is, is in Avodah Zarah. And based on this Pasuk in Devarim, Perik Zayin, Pasuk Gimel, there's a machlokas. According to the Chachamim, the restriction, at least on a Torah level, is to the seven nations that were living at that time. These seven nations are no longer around. They already weren't around at a time of Malachi and at the time of Ezra and Nehemiah, who we know spoke out against intermarriage. So no one's going to say that even according to the Chachamim, intermarriage was allowed. But at least the Torah prohibition of Lotuschatein. We don't have time to go through the whole discussion now, but others suggest there are other prohibitions that are associated with this. Maybe Chilah Hashem, desecrating God's name. More likely, according to many, already discussed by the tour, the issue of from the, the parsha of Pinchas, where you see the situation where Pinchas was able to take the life of Zimri, who was married to someone from outside the Jewish community. And that's not necessarily because of Lotzeschatein, but because of the restrictions that are assumed over there. There is a discussion in the commentaries is that only when it was a public relationship, which makes it look more like a Chil Hashem. Over there, it's kind of, it, it, he was a Kanai in a positive sense to be Pogame, what's taking place. Or is it even when it's in private? And maybe you can't kill the person if it's done in private, but the restriction still applies. But I, I want to stick to Gemara and Avodah Zarah, and I'm throwing out some of these sources just to keep in mind, when you hear, as we know in Yerdea, Kuf Yud Beis, the issues with non-Jewish bread, which maybe we're not so strict with today, Bishalakum, Yerdea, 113, Chal of Yisrael, which is an issue, it's just that in America we have special leniencies because you can't use uh, non-kosher milk, that's Yerdea, 115, wine, which is in Yerdea, Kuf Chav Gimel, the Kuf Lamed Ches, and even eating uh, pseudos with non-Jews, certain type of pseudo, Yerdea Kuf Nun Beis, we should see where it's coming from. So going back to the Gemara in Avodah Zarah, you have the Chachamim who say Torah level, at least from this Pasuk, is only to the Zion nations. But then we get to a Rambam. And why am I mentioning a Rambam in the Gemara? Because the Rambam Paskins like Rabbi Shimon ben Yechai. And what the Rambam here discusses, which raises a lot of controversy, but then at the end of the day, this is codified in the Shulchan Aruch, is the Rambam talks about in Hilchos Yisra'ibiyah having a relationship with a non-Jew. So they're having a, a sexual relationship, but he calls it Derech Chasnus, in the form of marriage. I wanted to read to you this Rambam, because it's very important. It actually covers some of the topics that we discussed in the first parak and understanding the nature of Ishus, of a relationship of Kiddushin. The Rambam in Hilchosisuri Bia, Parak Yud Beis, the first two halachas, halacha Aleph. And it's important, everyone should know this Rambam, every kid should know 
where exactly this Rambam is found, especially as they mature and appreciate, and hopefully could appreciate the need for Jews to marry Jews. Yisrael Shabbat Akum Mishara Umos. If a Jew marries a non-Jew, or has relations literally with a non-Jew, Derech Ishus. What does this mean, Derech Ishus? The Torah right away says to the Rambam, what do you mean Derech Ishus? You can't have Ishus with a non-Jew. We already have seen in our Masechta, on the first Mishnah, that not every so-called marriage is a marriage. If it's one of the Arayas, you can't have Ishus. The Ishus is Nachal. We've seen situations such as Machzig Rushaso, where the, there's an Isser, Lav, but the marriage is still Chal. So what's happening over here? So the way this Rambam has to be explained... And the Torah uses this to say it's not enough of a basis to find intermarriage from Lotuschatin. He goes into a different direction, and perhaps a different source is what we would call today this is a common law marriage. And a common marriage, you're acting like a married couple. What I like to say, it's a formal relationship. They're living with each other, probably would qualify as well, but definitely if they went through some type of ceremony. And the Rambam lets us know right away it goes both ways. Even in a situation where the child would end up being Jewish, the marriage between a Jewess and a non-Jew is prohibited. So the Rambam's big chiddush, but it's really straight out of Rosh Ban Yechai, is even if it's not from the seven nations, it's a prohibition of lo bam. But what is required is some type of formal relationship, maybe even a legal relationship between the Jew and the non-Jew. And fascinating, the Rambam uses as the proof here a story, a narrative, unfortunately from real life in our history, V'chein Mefurish Aide Ezra. What happens, we see in Ezra and Nehemiah, is that when Ezra comes back to Eretz Yisrael, there was an intermarriage issue. And he and Nehemiah were trying to challenge that. These are from the Jews that returned, from the locals, and there was a major issue taking place. This is way after the seven nations are wiped out, are no longer found. Now in Halacha Beis, the Rambam deals with something else. Someone says, ah, what's the prohibition to have relations with a non-Jew? If I'm not having a formal relationship, maybe that's better than being with a Jew. I've heard people say such uh, things. Either way, it's bad. It's still an Isser Dirabanan, if and considered to be Derech Znus by having just a occasional relationship with a non Jewish woman or with a non Jewish man. What is interesting is the nature of the Gezeir, according to the Rambam, is not an inherent problem in itself, although we're going to treat it that way. But Gezeir Shema Yavol Hischasen. So again, you're seeing the significance that it may come to intermarriage, and therefore the restriction applies. It's the Rambam then adds something which is important as well today. How about Yichud with a non-Jew? So he says, lo mishum nida mishum shifcha mishum kusus and mishum zona." If you have Yichud, for the purpose of Znus, then it's definitely an Isra. The assumption today is there's still a problem, 
Because then he says, And the stone is drabanan of even yichud with a non-Jew. This is restated more or less in the Shulchan Aruch Evan Ezra Hilchus Isha Simon So if you ask someone what is the source for intermarriage, you don't have to give long uh, discussions. Look in the Torah. He has to go around about it because he's following the view of the Chachamim, the Rambam, the Shulchan Aruch, Rabbi Yosef Cairo, clearly hold, like Roshim Bayechai, that the Isra of Lotuschatin Bam in Dvarim, Zion, Gimel, applies Bizman Hazeh, Jewish man with a Jewish woman, Jewish woman, a Jewish man with a non Jewish woman, and a Jewish woman with a non Jewish man. And this is all important in our Gemara, as we establish. Uh, when it's considered to be a Suffolk Kiddushan or not a Suffolk Kiddushan, these situations is obviously no Suffolk. It's absolutely not a Kiddushan, but still you could have a category of a low sase associated with derech ishus, living like husband and wife. And of course, when it comes to these issues, as we pointed out, it's much more than just a technical love. It's a lifestyle that will have impact on the life and future of the Jewish nation. Have a great week of learning.